What is up, podcast listeners? Thank you for giving me a few moments of your day to listen to this podcast. This is the Matt Baxter Show. I'm your host, Matt Baxter, and this podcast is about purpose, passion, and calling. Super stoked to have you as a listener because we're going to dive into some awesome, intense stories about people who are going through this journey of this thing called life, and we're all just figuring this out together. But seriously, you're giving me a little bit of your time, and I want to make sure it's valuable and worthwhile. So have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was getting this podcast off the ground, we first started as the Wedgecast, evolved into the Matt Baxter Show. There was a lot of questions that we had, like, how do I record an episode? How do I get my show in all the different places like Spotify, Apple Music, Anchor, Zencaster, all these different places. And yet it just seemed very, very complicated. But the simple thing for us as we began to navigate the waters is the answer to every single one of these questions, questions excuse me, was really simple. It's Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free. Yeah, free. And it's ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise in your podcast. That means you can get paid podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah, making money. Okay, it's sweet. It's easy. It's not a big cheap plug on an ad, but it's just simple and easy to use. So for us, it's one of the best parts about it is we can do it entirely remote or in studio. So you can record, you've got that really, really high, you know, high in the sky person that you're going to have as a guest on your podcast. You got to do it remote. Anchor is easy to use. You got people who are willing to come to your studio, your house, your office, wherever you're recording it. Boom. Anchor. Love it. Simple, easy, simple and easy to use. So if you ever want to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. Join me in the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. Can't wait to hear your podcast. On this episode of the Wedgecast, I'm hanging out with Dr. Roger Jansen. Dr. Roger Jansen has been, he's held a lot of different positions in the healthcare space, but dating back even, he has his PhD in psychology. He has helped found a company called ThinkWise and evolved into uh, many different roles in uh, Spectrum Health, which is uh, quite a large healthcare system in West Michigan, formerly was the chief strategy officer there. And now he's the CEO of Health Eco and Commercialization Accelerator, which is a venture fund in Chicago. Illinois. He is a man who not only is having major impacts in healthcare and the health space in micro pockets like West Michigan, but nationally and globally as well. He's just a sweet person to talk to, and I had a lot of fun. So if you're interested in healthcare and where healthcare is going, he's a guy who's sort of in the know. So tune in this episode of the Wedgecast. Thanks again. Well, Dr. Jansen, thanks a ton for being a guest on the show. We're excited to have you. Happy to be here, Matt. So it's right around July 4th weekend. You, uh, you made some time, you know, stepping away from your family. So what is like actually relaxing, hanging out with family look like for you? Uh, for me, it will be, uh, we do a big holiday celebration. Uh, we have a few hundred people show up, put on a pretty exciting fireworks show. Actually, some people have said it rivals some of the more professional shows. We uh, do that with a bunch of neighbors. And so that's what we'll do tonight. And then tomorrow we'll take in a couple of fireworks shows and then we're heading off to vacation for about 10 days. Love that. That's amazing. Sounds, uh, sounds spectacular. Well, sweet. So we're, uh, we're, we're fired up to have you. You have an amazing background in the healthcare space and 
Um, it's been fun, obviously, the couple times we've get, had a chance to sit down. I've learned a ton. And so if you're willing, I'd love just to <clears throat> have you dive into your story and sort of what, what's led you up to today and what you're working on today. But I guess starting with, like, what's your background? Yeah. Uh, so I guess hitting the rewind button, um, growing up was always really interested in uh, asking a lot of questions and probably annoying a lot of my teachers by doing so, but was always fascinated with how different things that seem unrelated actually somehow are related and might form a, a better picture if you could put them together. And so uh, growing up, I was always interested in uh, answering and trying to answer questions that others thought maybe weren't that interesting or were probably not on their radar. Um, and that led me to uh, into a field of actually studying psychology and biology at, at Michigan State University. And when I did that, I thought I would head to medical school and follow that route, but actually became very interested in answering questions about human behavior. And so I went on and uh, did my PhD in uh, University of Illinois, Chicago, with kind of a focus on clinical and neuropsychological assessment research, and uh, really was fascinated with answering questions about how could humans be so kind and so giving, and also how could humans become so cruel, and what was the biological basis for that, and so did my early research in kind of behavioral genetics, looking at uh, predispositions towards uh, certain forms of pathology, and then got much more interested in the neurological side uh, and what functions and structures within the brain might be different amongst people and how they respond to events and make decisions in their lives. Uh, that ultimately led me to really think about uh, human behavior at an organizational level. Can I, um, can I ask you a quick question on that? Sure. So in your, in your process of just like studying this and, and getting your PhD, how much like interpersonal testing were you doing on yourself? Because like even in the very little intro to psych classes that I've taken, like the whole time I'm sort of running a case study in myself. So how much of that were you just like thinking, like basically running a case study on yourself and decision making? Um, you know, that's probably a daily basis. So I think it, you know, you learn a lot, obviously, about the brain, how you think, your mind, how you make decisions, uh, your biological and physiological tendencies. And so I think you're always kind of doing a checklist against these things that you're learning. And I don't think that ever stops, Matt. I think that a big part of it is uh, ongoing openness to, you know, change in yourself as well as learning and adapting to, to the information that you're acquiring. So it was pretty robust. I mean, definitely uh, wanted to ask a lot of questions about why do I do what I do and how am I, you know, in the spot I am and how will people respond. And so I think that's something that goes on in a, in a regular basis. Love that. Yeah. Awesome. Keep going. Yeah. I've, I've always just been fascinated by somebody, you know, who, who's gets so in the weeds about the makeup and the study and the actual, both from it, like, obviously from a, brain chemistry standpoint but also from like a behavioral standpoint how much how much of that is just like laying in bed at night thinking why did I do this why did this happen to me you know how did I respond this way and just constantly be thinking through that so I've, I've just been fascinated about that so thanks for uh yeah, thanks for yeah wait until you have kids and you know this stuff too much then you really have a problem because you start <laughs> looking start asking what you can control and not control and did you respond correctly and yeah, it, it, it's uh, daily, you know, I, I do think that um, 
we probably underestimate the impact genetics have on decisions we make and things we think are our own choices are really impacted quite significantly by how our brains are structured and the neurochemistry we have and all these other things. So it's, um, there may be an appearance of great levels of free will and there may be less of it than what we want to appreciate. But um, anyhow, I, I became pretty fascinated later in my career after I was kind of uh, getting burnt out on the individual work and uh, understanding how group dynamics work. And so began to really look at organizational dynamics and the organization could be a school, a church, a business, a team, but really want to understand how do groups begin to interact and work and form uh, outcomes and achieve things together. And so really started learning more about what is effectively called organization development uh, these days and uh, began to work with companies around the country, literally around the globe, around what does it mean to be a successful organization and how do you take hundreds, thousands of people and get them to be focused on a singular goal and outcome and uh, how do you create a culture around that that leads to success versus challenge. And so spent a lot of my time doing that after about 10, 12 years in that field. Uh, was getting the itch to be back in healthcare and joined a large healthcare system in Michigan uh, to work in their uh, C-suite doing uh, everything from human resources to strategy and business development to new products and investments uh, for diversified revenue streams in healthcare. So I've had a pretty interesting uh, look both clinically as well as from the business side in healthcare and that's where I spend my energy and time still today. So when you are in the process of, okay, so you think about the different like layers of understanding you have in the sense, like an expertise you have in the sense of like from the like actual biology standpoint to the psychological assessment standpoint, all of a sudden to uh, basically like leading a series of people and like a leadership component. When you step in and help lead, you know, obviously you were a part of a massive team, uh, you know, here in Michigan at a healthcare place, at, at, at what point are you trying to influence people? And I guess ultimately the question that I want to ask is like, are you trying to develop people in the sense of like where you kind of see them going or are you trying to ultimately help them get to like where they want to go? And like, what's the crossover between those two? Yeah, I mean, uh, so you know, long-winded, I, I long-winded question on that. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just to clarify, I work with a, uh, a venture capital group in Chicago now, so I recently left the health system to, to join them. Um, but I would say, you know, I, I don't, quote unquote, manipulate or try to drive people in any direction I think they should go. I would be more than happy to help people get to where they'd like to go. But my, my goal is to you know, be open and, and transparent if I'm trying to help them do that. Uh, there isn't any quote unquote mind games or psychological warfare. Uh, I think that's actually a really, really slippery slope. Uh, so you have to put your professional training um, in some ways aside because you don't want to use tactics that would, you know, maybe not be desired by those individuals that have used on them at that time. So definitely try to not be, you know, a psychologist when I'm interacting with people, uh, but but try to be, you know, just very focused on the topic at hand and with people in the moment. Yeah, yeah, that's, I've that's, 
having such a deep level and understanding of kind of how people interact, but then also leading people and helping people lead them to where they want to go, I feel like is 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 an interesting. And, and you mentioned it could be a slippery slope in a hurry if you if you're not thinking about it appropriately. So I think that's that's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I know uh, kind of back. Uh, you were you were the chief strategy officer for Spectrum, um, and if. Can you, I know this is like a very dumb question, but can you define what a chief strategy officer is? Yeah, it's not a dumb question at all. It's actually, there's quite a few articles written about the emergence of a chief strategy officer. And, um, you know, for health systems, it, it certainly may differ for other industries, but for health systems, the chief strategy officer is really responsible for looking out to where the industry's going and what the company needs to do to be prepared to meet those new challenges that will be incoming and maybe will look different than what the past has. Uh, there's also a large component uh, as a result of that focused on where innovation will lead the industry as well as where new opportunities to develop business and grow the company uh, come from. So it's really a role that is, you know, in many ways, focused on the outward environment, beginning to interact with the inward environment. Uh, it's not necessarily establishing the strategies for the different components of the system as much as it is taking a strategic look at the industry and where the industry is going and how do we fit into that as it uh, progresses. So while we get involved with strategic planning internally and help facilitate those meetings, at the end of the day, for most health systems, the uh, the entities need to be able to take the broader strategy that's developed and tailor and customize it to meet their needs and demands for their unique markets or their unique roles within the system. So, um, you know, I think overall, the way I would sum it up is a, uh, a chief strategy offer should be focused on helping the organization merge where it is with where things need to go and ultimately where the industry is going to be. And their job is to connect very disparate dots and try to make sense of a lot of noise in the marketplace to make it more into a rhythm versus uh, uh, just a bunch of sounds coming together. And, sure. Uh, yeah. Hopefully that answers that question a little bit. No, it absolutely does. And I guess, so would your, would your fire for healthcare come at um, more of a micro level or would it come more at like a macro decision-making level? Um, I, I am more interested in the larger rhythms happening in the marketplace and understanding the cadence that's being created by seemingly disparate constituents. Uh, so if you look at where healthcare is right now, you have a number of non-traditional entrants coming into the field. Uh, you know, CVS is now CVS Health. They're going to have, you know, nearly 2,000 quote-unquote clinics in their stores over the next few years. Um, you have Amazon, Apple, Google, Microsoft, Samsung, all of these groups focused on healthcare in some capacity. 84% of the Fortune 500 have now opened up a healthcare division. And then you have the traditional doctor's office and hospital and clinic. How do all of those things play together in this space of health? And what does it actually mean to be in the healthcare business is fascinating. So, um, you know, is health about catching somebody uh, downstream who needs to have a bypass surgery or is health about getting earlier in, er, in 
involved earlier in that person's life where you prevent uh, through understanding of their predispositions genetically or maybe their lifestyle or the food they eat or the inactivity they have, is that really where health needs to go? So I'm really interested in, in taking the knowledge that we have about what not only leads to treatment of disease, but what leads to prevention of disease and allows us to keep people healthier longer and figuring out how do we take that information and apply it not only to individuals, but to populations and do that in a way that is sustainable long-term. So I, I get excited, I guess, Matt, to answer your question at both levels, but really understanding how can we have the broadest impact on keeping the American population um, healthier than, than we have. Uh, you know, we're, we're the sickest nation in, in the world. We have the most uh, minimal mortality rate, meaning people die uh, too soon from not getting the right treatment at the right time. We have uh, huge issues with obesity and chronic disease. And all of these are typically behavioral related. The four major causes of chronic disease, uh, inactivity, uh, smoking, excessive drinking, and poor diet are all behavioral in nature. They cause a ton of disease, whether that's diabetes or cardiovascular issues, or uh, obesity that leads to obviously issues with uh, so many different areas, both uh, circulatory system issues and mental health issues, that we could actually treat healthcare much differently than the doctor intervenes to let's make sure you don't get to that point to begin with. And that's really where I'm most fascinated. So do you see with all these emerging uh, different Fortune 500 companies with obviously these big players stepping into healthcare, obviously doing so for a reason, whether it's for one, just like strictly the, the opportunity sense, but also for the impact sense. Do you see these players uh, getting along or do you see this like more from like an economic standpoint? Do you feel like this is going to be uh, a, a, not a tragedy, but like, do you feel like these players butting heads in the healthcare space? Like, I, I guess ultimately the question there is, do you feel like all these emerging different companies stepping into healthcare is going to be a positive thing or a negative thing? It depends what position you sit in. And so if you're the consumer, I think it's excellent news because um, let's face it, the U.S. healthcare system has become a financial burden on everyone. Uh, you know, it's a 3.7 trillion part of our economy. It's edging up to 20% of the gross domestic product. So you know, 20 cents is of every dollar in this country is spent on healthcare. It's not being spent on roads, education, military, agriculture, retail, uh, travel, and it's being spent on healthcare. And that's uh, about 2x our closest, uh, you know, economic development country that we compare ourselves against. So I think, uh, unfortunately, healthcare has been stuck in a time warp. And, you know, if you think about going to your pediatrician as a child, it's pretty similar to what it is for children today. It's not because the model's great. It's because a lot of people make a lot of money keeping it that way. And we need to think about how do we disrupt that for the U.S. Uh, economy. Employers are taking way too much of the burden. And, um, you know, it's the only industry that I can think of where prices have so much variation that you can pay $800 for a procedure here and 8,000 in, in the room next door, that you couldn't get away with that with anything else. And so I love the idea of disruptors coming into healthcare because I think it's better for 
the American people. I think it's better for the employers. And I think it's going to force health systems to become much better at running business and, and uh, operating their businesses than what they've had to be. When you're the only game in town, it's pretty easy to feel like you have a pole position and don't need to change much. But once you see others coming in and organizing the ecosystem of healthcare and saying we can do this differently and we can do it better, I think that benefits everybody. And so what I'm for is making sure the American population is treated with the right healthcare at the right time. And that might not mean intervention as much as it means prevention and monitoring. And I think that's a better route. I think it's a better route for everyone. And I think we should lower the total cost of healthcare. And I think we should hold healthcare systems in a, you know, a position like we hold every other business, um, you know, make sure that what I'm paying for is delivering the outcomes that I expect from, from, from the fees I'm paying. And right now we just don't have that system. So who is it that needs to, I guess, take that accountability? And, and, and I guess this is like, uh, we could probably, you, you mentioned you didn't want to talk for, you know, three hours, but I think this obviously could be a three hour conversation, <laughs> but you know, ultimately who, who is it that if I'm sitting here and saying, I need to take ownership over this, who is it that can kind of step their game up and basically look to improve this system even one step at a time? Uh, I think, I think there's multiple constituents. I don't think it's any one individual or group. Um, I think individuals and, in, you know, the United States need to take more ownership over their health. Um, right now, we have a system where, uh, you know, not much of the burden is on the individual from a cost perspective if they have commercial insurance. Um, therefore, we can get away with living a lifestyle that, you know, probably doesn't lead to good physical health outcomes um, and not pay for it financially too much. I don't think that's right. I think that we need to uh, realize that we're a nation that is probably, you know, having too many burgers, having too many subs and not enough exercise. And that costs everybody at the end of the day. Uh, so we need to think about individual responsibilities to our health. Um, I think we have health systems who uh, are, you know, still operating in a model of fee for service that encourages utilization and encourages, uh, you know, more procedures and the highest price procedures. Um, I think we're still living in a world where U.S. healthcare is dated in terms of how we organize uh, systems of care. Um, we still organize it by body parts versus looking at kind of the whole individual and what does it mean to really treat someone. Um, I think the, you know, the insurance companies have to recognize there's uh, ways to manage health differently than uh, simply agreeing or not agreeing to certain procedures. Um, I think we need to get more up-to-date on what procedures work best, even though we might be paying for a procedure that's been used since 1969, that maybe there's one that's developed in 2012, but is better than one that we've been delivering. So I think there's plenty of improvement opportunities for everyone. Um, I don't think anybody's quote-unquote malicious as, you know, trying to do this. I think human beings are creatures of habit, and we're just in habits that, in 2019-20 don't need to look like they did in 1967. And I think that's where we need to make some significant changes to, to the business model innovation. There's plenty of innovation from a science perspective and a technology perspective, but there hasn't been a lot of innovation in the business model. Yeah, I um, Yeah, so 
I guess with that concept, is that you know part of your uh, working now, like with a venture capital firm? Can you can you give a little give a little background, give a little context to the to the the firm you're working with now? Yeah, so um, I'm in charge or working with a group of people at a company called Health Eco, and Health Eco really represents health ecosystem, and the concept there is that we need to bring all different parts of the health ecosystem together from venture capitalists to health systems to payers to early stage companies to clinicians uh, research uh, entities and universities to actually understand that we cannot continue to do these one-offs um, it becomes way too complex to figure out a one-off for genomics um, for mental health for population health that the real strength will be when we bring these groups together and begin to co-create solutions and define goals collectively that we'll be able to accomplish more together than we could alone and so our work is right now really focused on a few areas uh, working very heavily with michigan state university on uh, the issue of population health and mental health and what does it mean to actually organize that ecosystem uh, and working a lot with aging in place, uh, precision medicine, uh, uh, digital and connected consumer, and then different service lines. And I think that the concept for us is that healthcare needs to change, and it's not going to change if everybody changes um, a little bit on their own and without knowing what the other's changing to, but that we all have to start running plays together. And when we're aligned and we're in sync, we're going to achieve much better outcomes that can deliver better care, uh, deliver better financial upside, deliver better uh, experience for everyone. But if everyone keeps trying to do their own thing, their own way, and their own pace, we will continue to have a completely disconnected uh, set of goals and outcomes that will lead to more disastrous outcomes for the country than what we otherwise could have if we start to organize ourselves. Yeah, I, uh, it's, it's, it's really fun just to kind of listen to the progression of, of your story in the context of from a basically micro level evolution to a macro level, basically looking at how do all these players play together and watching sort of your progression of your career ultimately lead to that, I think is pretty amazing. Yeah, I think, um, you know, everyone appreciate that. I, I think for me, again, it's trying to take a look at if there's a growth stage company who's doing great things, but they can't access the health system and they can't therefore get access to additional funding because they don't have enough partners to use them and there's not the researchers validating their solution. Suddenly we have great ideas with poor execution. And what we want to make sure we're getting is execution of the best ideas and implementation adoption of those and there is so much incredible uh, technology innovation solutions that have, are already out in the marketplace but we can't accelerate their adoption fast enough into healthcare and they're great ideas within healthcare systems that are locked within their own market that need a platform to commercialize to a broader market so they can benefit more people and we don't have a platform to do that right now and so what our, our, our firm's goal is to put that platform together and bring all those con constituents together to work together in a way that allows for those synergies to be realized instead of uh, another good idea died as well. 
which I yeah, think too many good ideas are dying. <laughs> well, it's like 99% of coming from the startup world, 99% of startups fail. And that's typically has nothing to do with the actual idea itself. And it has all the, everything else surrounded around it. So most of them end up dying anyways. You got it. You got yeah. it. So if we can help provide distribution in and out of healthcare, um, and we can provide a uh, focus on what those uh, areas are, I think we'll be in a position to make a much bigger difference than if we try to do it alone in any one, one area. Yeah, I love that. Centralizing all the amazing impact that people are having and trying to do that together rather than in decentralized pockets. Yeah, yep. And, and I think the financial upside when you actually model that out economically is much greater for everyone, including the employer, the individual, the health system, the startup company, the venture company. Everybody wins by delivering better products and outcomes. Uh, nobody loses in that game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So my, my favorite question of all time, and I obviously you've touched on it kind of throughout this, but at the end of the day, what, what is it that drives you and gets you out of bed the morning the most? I mean, you, you have taken on and influenced people at a psychology standpoint. You have evolved into helping lead the direction of, you know, one organization and multiple different organizations. And now to the point where you're helping, you know, growth companies excel and speed up. So Throughout all of that, what have you learned throughout, you know, that, that, that amazing career path to ultimately lead up to, like, what, what is it that continued drive, you know, drives you and gets you out of bed in the morning the most? Uh, for me, it's believing that tomorrow is going to be better than today and knowing that you can play a role in transforming things. I, I'm not a maintainer. Um, I'm not a bureaucrat. Um, I don't like to be a political person. I like to achieve outcomes and I like to help those outcomes improve upon uh, where things were before you worked on them. And so for me, it's truly about how do we transform uh, business models, science, insights, uh, capabilities of organizations to do better with our time and influence than if they wouldn't have had it. And so for me, it's truly about transformation and improvement that gets me excited. Um, if I had to go in and maintain uh, something or keep it the way it is, uh, I would lose my mind and not be very successful. So uh, what gets me excited every day is thinking about how can we make it better today than it was yesterday? And how can we give people a vision about how good things can be uh, if we could do X, Y, and Z they hadn't thought of yet. So I think I get my motivation from that transformative, bringing different constituents together to build something collectively that's better than anything we could build on our own. I love that. And I guess as you were saying that, I have I have one more question that I'd love to hear, hear your answer to, if that's all right. Sure. So I'm a 25-year-old startup founder entering into the business world. So on one half, I'm a business owner that probably will have to engage in the healthcare system on that side, but also as an individual consumer, what can I take upon myself to improve personally the healthcare, uh, you know, the healthcare system today? So if, I, if I'm thinking about like empowering myself, what advice do you have for me to ultimately make the healthcare system a better place? I think you have to ask the healthcare system questions. Um, right now, Patients don't act as consumers, they act as patients. And we do whatever we're told and we go wherever we're told to go and we pay whatever we're told to pay. I think that doesn't do 
you or the system ultimately any good. We need to ask why this is happening. Um, we need to look for transparency in pricing. We need to have, you know, if you went out to buy a refrigerator at Best Buy right now, you could hop on your phone and you could get 600 reviews of that, of that uh, refrigerator, but you have three things that you don't have in healthcare. You would have a known price of what you're going to be paying for. You could compare that price to others. You would have quality ratings that you just don't know about in healthcare. And you would have the ability to have some type of guarantee on the outcome or utilization of that product. We don't have any of that in healthcare. And so I think we need to begin to hold healthcare to different standards. And we need to hold uh, the money that we're spending on these things is it, we're, it's not a privilege to receive healthcare. It's a, it's a privilege for healthcare to be given to the individual. And I think we have to flip the model from uh, healthcare tells us what to do much more to we need to empower the consumer to direct healthcare on what they want. And so I think as a consumer, you need to begin to put more of that power and questions and not just accept everything as is. And I think sometimes people get a little frightened of healthcare because oh my goodness, it's a physician and they went to a lot of schooling and this and that. Um, at the end of the day, uh, we all know a, a, a little bit about a very huge component, um, whether that's me trained as a, a psychologist and studying the brain and behavior, um, asking questions and showing interest in your healthcare is the most important thing you can do when you're working with a provider or any part of the healthcare ecosystem. It's amazing. Love that. Um, well, Dr. Jansen, thank you so much for being on the show. I guess, is there anything else or, uh, yeah, is there any last words you have for the audience? No, I just appreciate the time to, to share a little bit of my story and, uh, you know, look forward to uh, continuing our conversations with you. And if we can be to help anybody out there listening, happy to do so. Love it. Well, thank you so much. I hope you have an amazing fourth with family. And, yeah, thanks a ton for being on the show. Great. Thank you. You have a wonderful fourth as well, Matt. You too. All right. Take care.